again, you found us on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. And I want to remind you, if you have any comments or questions or want to ask us to go into any particular subject, you can find us at R-U-T-H-E at boomerangspodcast.com. I'm just such a stickler. Well, I may as well spell it all out. (laughs) Okay. Today, I want to talk about a series on pop that's also on Netflix called Shit's Creek, spelled S-C-H-I-T-T apostrophe S Creek, just for clarification purposes. I also wanted to, although I didn't see the Super Bowl today, I wanted to just touch on the halftime show with Shakira and J-Lo. And Mike, you wanted to talk about... I have a movie I saw on Amazon called Free the Mind. Ah. And maybe we could talk about the coronavirus. Oh, perhaps. Mega story in the news. All right, so Schitt's Creek is a half-hour comedy. It's actually a little less on Netflix because I guess it, there are commercials on the regular Did it run airing. on a regular channel? It ran on Pop. Oh, okay. Which is... That's a TV station? It, it must or, be. Okay. Yes, whatever those things are these <sighs> I days. I don't know anything anymore. I don't either. <sighs> it's something that people talk to me about endlessly. Have you watched Schitt's Creek? Oh, I love Schitt's really? Creek. Can't get enough of Schitt's Creek. Wow. To the point where I thought, well, I, I better watch it. I watched it. I watched a few episodes and it just didn't grab me. I saw the first few episodes too and I had high hopes because I'm a huge Catherine O'Hara fan. Exactly. And she she did Catherine O'Hara and that was great and I loved seeing her. But I realized the context wasn't as strong as when she used to be, say, in Second City or even in other films that she's done. There. Yeah. The jokes seemed forced to me. But I watched and, very early, only beginning of season me one. Me too. And it just didn't seem to be going anywhere. Mm-hmm. They were thrown out of their luxurious days right, right. and had to deal with Chris Elliott, who I just really can't stand. And he's his most Chris Elliott at the beginning of the series. He's sleazy, but you're supposed to hate him, sort of. Yes, you are. And he was always like that. I remember on David Letterman years ago, and Forever. he played the guy under the stairs. He does creepy. That's his yeah, thing. He's never done anything but obnoxious he and creepy. He does creepy. creepy. But, yes, well, anyway. but I, he just so got under my skin. And I did love Daniel Levy, who plays David, oh, his son. Great. Just as a little backstory, Eugene and Daniel Levy developed this themselves. And he plays the son also. And he plays the son also. He's beautiful. Isn't he gorgeous? I didn't know he was Eugene Levy's son. But they look alike. I guess so. I'll have to watch again just for that. Yeah, they do. They have the same hairline. They have the same hair. Okay. Daniel Levy doesn't look like a young Eugene Levy. No, he looks like a model. He does. Yeah. Like a male model. That's why I have to hate him. (laughs) I'm required to. He says the kindest things about you, though. (laughs) These people are thrown out of heaven and they end up living in this crappy little motel. I guess it's supposed to be somewhere in Canada because the whole thing is a CBC production. There they are, the young daughter, her name is Alexis in the show, played by Annie Murphy, who is absolutely brilliant in the part. But the two kids share a room. Right. The parents have a connecting room. Right. It is a shit show. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you can describe it. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't getting it. And I was told by someone who loves the series to just go to the third season. They own the town, don't they, or something? They bought it as a joke. Oh, okay. But there's a mayor there played by Chris Elliott and and a cast of oddballs. Okay, but they bought it without knowing what they were buying. And now that they're falling on hard times, it's the only place they have to go to house themselves. That's right. But they don't own the hotel and they don't own the mayor. Right. But somehow they own the town. But they own the town. So I guess they're staying at the hotel rent free or motel. It's not a hotel, it is a motel. Yeah, yeah. 
The third season has a lot more of them integrating with the townspeople okay. and they finally sort of find their footing and find things to propel them forward. Right. So I've now gone through season three, four, oh, and five, and I started God. on six. And that's a season per year? It's been on that long now? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it it's has. amazing. And there are... Well, maybe it's found think, its footing. Maybe it's gotten better. I should take a look at season four three or four or something. I think you'd really enjoy I'm, I'm pretty hooked on it, and I think this is their last season. Season okay. six is the end. Well, I love her, like I said, so I, I'm willing to check it out. I just, those first few episodes, it just seemed like somebody's school project of trying to write a comedy, and it, it didn't hold together, and it seemed so unreal. And to me, it just didn't go anywhere. Yeah. But Catherine O'Hara, she has this accent that I, oh, I yeah. don't know how to describe it. It right. is this peculiar sort of semi... Little valley girlish. Valley girlish mixed with this mid-Atlantic kind yeah. of mid-century. Yeah. Uh, it just is unbelievable. Yeah. I try to imitate it at my own peril. Oh, give it a go. David! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Oh, well, you've inspired me. I'll take a look. I really would start with... I do love her. Season three and just see where you go from there. But David finds love and it's just the cutest thing of all time. Okay. So I have to give it a five-star rating right. for its later seasons. Right. And so there's that. Oh. So much for Shit's Creek. Oh. On to the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, Yes. There's a little background to be had about the halftime show having to do with Jay-Z. There was a really big profile of him and his company, Rock Nation, in the Sunday style section of the New York Times today. How did you like that beer you had a little earlier? <laughs> <laughs> Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Jay-Z has a company, a very successful company called Rock Nation. They do everything. They do music production. They have talent. They're in all kinds of things. They got together with the NFL. And this is after the performance of Maroon 5 at last year's Super Bowl, which was just categorically panned by every critic that I ever read. And most people that I spoke to just thought it was the whitest, most bland, vanilla performance by a group group at a halftime. But Adam That's Levine it. took his clothes off. Well, just from the waist up, but that was exciting. Is he part of Maroon 5? Yes, he is. Okay. I am so out of touch. This is good. I'm that's why forward. That's why you're doing a podcast I'm with me. I'm looking forward to hearing, <laughs> uh, being educated a little bit. The thing that Jay-Z seemed to be taking on was the NFL for their wholly racist stance against Colin Kaepernick. Oh. And do you know, the numbers of, I'm going to read this here because I didn't memorize these numbers, but it's really telling. There's a league of 32 teams, only two of which are owned by people of color. They employ 28 white head coaches and an athletic labor force that is 70% black. Hmm. And yet the audience for it is apparently not very clued into the racial thing because when Colin Kaepernick kneeled at the national anthem, it became a whole huge thing that even Trump got into. Roger Goodell, who is the head of the NFL, has been tone deaf to a lot of things. Women being abused by players, mm. players' bad behavior just in general. He's been very tone deaf. 
So he paired with Jay-Z, the idea being that Jay-Z would bring some wokeness to the NFL. And one of the things that he designed is Inspire Change. This is the NFL's new initiative concerning education and economic advancement, police and community relations, and criminal justice reform. They've committed $100 million over the next 10 years on social justice outreach and causes. I guess they're trying. The thing that surprised me was that there was no black performer at the halftime. It was, mm. yes, it was two women of color, mm-hmm. Shakira and J-Lo. Mm-hmm. I, I could be missing something. Mm-hmm. But I looked back at other halftimes that were considered really successful. Mm-hmm. One of them was with Coldplay, who was then interrupted by Bruno Mars, who did an incredible uptown funk number. And then Beyonce came on, and this is in 2016, mm-hmm. and she did... Her formation song. I don't know, maybe you didn't see it? No. Okay. It was this new choreography that she had never done before. She and Bruno Mars then did sort of a dance-off at the end. And it was amazing. Not to suggest that only Black performers can be amazing at the halftime. Now, Shakira, she's a pop singer to me. She's not Mm -hmm. a rap singer. And I thought Mm -hmm. that the whole point of Jay-Z pairing with the NFL was to bring in more rap. In fact, he was quoted as saying at the beginning of the article that... The problem with the NFL is that you think, oh, hip-hop, I should have said hip-hop. You think hip-hop is still a fad when hip-hop has been the dominant music form around the world for 20 years. That was a quote from Jay-Z. There wasn't any of that on display. That was Mm -hmm. Shakira doing her Hips Don't Lie number with good choreography, Mm -hmm. no complaints about it. J-Lo did some of her pole work that she did in Hustlers. She did these pole dances where she hooked her heels around the pole and just was suspended way too long to be humanly possible. Mm -hmm. At the same time, she's a pop entertainer. She's not breaking any ground. I mean, even when Lady Gaga flew in from the side of the stadium, there was something new that was part of the halftime show. That was brilliant. I saw that. Uh, That was brilliant. So I was expecting something new and different Mm -hmm. from Jay-Z and Mm -hmm. his crew, Mm -hmm. and it just felt like it was the same. Now, I read some reviews that seemed to think that it was great. Maybe it's just me. I don't don't see that much live music. So Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what different audiences thought of it maybe is it possible that she has more resonance and Shakira as well in the black community than maybe so than we would, might have thought yeah maybe so you know, maybe she's more hooked in there than we know yeah. it's very possible I'm certainly no expert on right. what the youths right. are listening to as two baby boomer white people maybe yeah. we just don't know <laughs> too much about the demographics of perhaps her I should base. keep my opinions to no, myself no 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 I don't mean that at all but it'd be interesting to see what the follow-up is in the next few days. Yeah, I think if you love pop music, which everybody does, this would be enough. But I expect something really tremendous out of the halftime show. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. expect it to be kind of a mind-blowing experience. Yeah, or at least controversial in some way. Yeah, at least have Janet Jackson blow out her Her, wardrobe. Right. Yeah, something, something surprising and something that you can really talk about after the show. I think what you're saying is, ironically, after all of this and these initiatives to raise consciousness and bring more mindfulness of this society we live in with its racial problems and pressures that they ended up with a relatively bland half-time half time. Half-time. Exactly. On the nose. Interesting. Oh, I didn't see it, but it sounds like a valid concern. Perhaps you'll watch it, but maybe (laughs) not after what I... (laughs) YouTube. Watch it on YouTube. YouTube. I did see some of the commercials and I'm not not someone who tunes in just for the commercials. Yeah. I did want to see the Michael Bloomberg one, but I missed it. He talked about... Both he and Trump did bits on 
<laughs> Sounds so absurd on what they've done for the African American community. Oh, really? Yeah. Trump apparently did a 30 second piece on what the Kardashian daughter had lobbied for this woman who oh, yes. was jailed for yes. a drug deal unjustly, and he sprung her. And so he talked about that in his yes. ad. And, um, and he did actually do some good for people who were incarcerated for minor crimes. Right. And he's working to get justice for them of all the things. That's the behest of the Kardashians. Actually, at the request of Jared, whose father was imprisoned. Oh. So this is something that Jared has really gotten involved with. Oh, wow. I know. Uh, I can't even fit it into my head. <laughs> I can't remember. But I thought that Bloomberg was going to be a below-the-belt slam on Trump. And I guess his marketing people decided that it would be more effective to do something more positive about oh, himself yeah. than about the, the country. So it wasn't the uh, down-and-dirty kind of attack that I was kind of hoping for. And what was it's a gun control ad. It's his but strong it features a black woman. For, yeah, which features someone in the African American community who was a victim of gun violence. So it's ironic that they both did that outreach. As you can question the sincerity on either side, but it just shows that there's apparently a need to reach out to that community. They wouldn't spend billions of dollars on an ad if, if there wasn't. Wild? Even Trump's camp yeah. is concerned about the black community. I guess so. Wow. I mean, I know that we can't get anybody elected without a strong black contingent. Yeah. Or it could be just petty. It could be that the Trump people found out what the content of Bloomberg's ad was, so they just wanted to match him some, you know, in some way. Trump does like to burnish his African-American credentials. He just loves to do that. That's so crazy. And I don't know what percentage of, I mean, as Stephanie be. Miller says, it's black women who are the bellwether for the Democratic Party. That's, they're the canary in the coal mine. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you want to talk about your meditation? Yeah, yeah. I saw this movie on Amazon called Free the Mind. It's a documentary. I was attracted to it because I'm making probably my 83rd foray into a meditation <laughs> practice. Yeah. Because there's more and more scientific data about the power of mindfulness meditation to actually rewire brain connections yeah. and really help effect change. I think it's really powerful. It apparently is. And so I didn't turn this thing on with many expectations. I expected I'd get 10 minutes in and go, oh, it's about you know meditation, but we've heard this all before. But I got brought in immediately because they start in a kindergarten with a focus on a little boy named Will who has ADHD and they interview his foster parents. Will, it turns out, by the time he was 20 months old, had been placed in four different foster homes. Oh so he had been completely traumatized just by the lack of any kind of consistent family yeah. to rely on. One of the ways his problem manifested was that he had a fear of going into elevators. Right in the beginning, you see the kindergarten teacher, very nice, very loving, talking to him. And she says, you know, we're going to go on one of those trips again with the class. And there's going to be an elevator. And she says, I know you like to take the stairs. And you see him tense up right away. And she says, I was just thinking, what would it be like if maybe we went in the elevator with me so you wouldn't be by yourself? Because I know the last time you didn't like it. And we'll bring in your friends from the class and we'll just go from floor one to floor two and then we'll get out. And poor little Will, he just started crying and he was so terrified at the prospect of being made to get into this elevator. And I related to him right away. 
I don't have a problem with elevators, but I got what he was going through about you have a fear of something that's going to totally destroy you and you know you can't do it. Right. But when you see it in another person, when I got Will, I could see, well, certainly there's nothing about elevators really to be afraid of, but I get how for him this is a huge, huge deal. And it was so lovely because nobody tried to talk him out of it. Right. Nobody said, well, that's silly. Elevators are safe. But anyway, in the course of the movie, they bring in these doctors who are experts at mindfulness meditation and how to use it for ADHD. And they work with him. They work with the whole class. There's probably 20 or 30 kids in the class, but the camera's on little Will. And they help these kids realize that their feelings are just feelings. Uh-huh. And they give them, each of them gets to make their own little snow globe with little colored pieces of glitter inside. And they get to make them. And then they get to shake them up. And then they tell them, this may sound trite to people listening, but if you watch it, it's just captivating. They say, these are like your feelings. And when you're feeling afraid of doing something, like going in the elevator, this is how it feels. And they even ask Will, you know, when you're afraid, where do you feel it? And he knew. I think that's the beauty of kids. They're much more in touch with their bodies than uh -huh. we are as adults. So he didn't have any trouble saying where it was troubling. Wow. And he pointed right to his chest, right around his heart. He said, I feel it here. What does it feel like? He says, it feels scary. Anyway, they work with him. And then the B story is about the same team going into a group of veterans in Wisconsin who have PTSD from Iraq and Afghanistan. And they talk to these veterans and you see how their having been traumatized affects their ability to process their own emotions. And it's really hanging up their lives. So in both cases, I don't know, I identified so much. And you got to see them go through this process of basically learning these techniques that help them calm down and feel their feelings and let them kind of run through them instead of gripping uh -huh. and avoiding. So little Will's addiction was... I'm not going to ever go in an elevator. And the different veterans they dealt with, their addictions were either one had sleep problems, one had a, a marriage that was breaking up because he couldn't really be there with his wife. He couldn't stand to be in silence. Silence was a big problem for oh, these guys. Okay. And that's why meditating was a problem for them at first. One of them in particular says, I can't have silence around me. When I have silence, the memories of the stuff I saw come back. And these guys, you feel so much compassion for them because for a lot of them, one in particular, his feelings of guilt are so profound because he had his comrades die in his arms. Oh my God. And he couldn't help them. Anyway, I loved the juxtaposition of the little five-year-old and then these guys who were back from the war, but their problems were parallel. What I thought was going to be a pretty pedestrian, unchallenging, simplistic little commercial for meditation turned out to be a true story about real people, but you got to see them make progress. You got to see them move forward and you got to see the kid face his fear and he got to hold his little snow globe when he went into the elevator wow. and that made all the difference what they teach you in meditation and you got to see him learn it. We think our feelings are us. So when our feelings are strong, we think we're at danger. But the meditation process and having this little snow globe helped him externalize the feelings. It helped me a lot because my struggle is with body dysmorphic disorder. And when it acts up, the level of terror that I experience is strong. And all I want to do is avoid situations where I might catch myself in a mirror or a photo. And for me, that's like getting in the elevator. 
So I got to see little Will and then these veteran guys. They're just beautiful guys. And you get to see them go through this process. You get to see them experience that they can work through this stuff basically by learning simple techniques that help them to relax around these feelings Uh so that the feelings can flow and kind of run through. I've had this experience with meditation, but I've forgotten it. You learn sometimes in meditation that a thought that you're having that is very troubling, I'm no good, I'm this, I'm that, a negative, repetitive thought, eventually you see it as just a thought. Do they use more than just meditation? It sounds like they do. It sounds like there are a number of techniques that are used to help both Will and the veterans relax. Well, it's meditation-based because it's all about breathing practice and noticing your breathing. But what I did notice is they take them through a lot of different exercises that probably all lead to the same place. So sometimes they're doing something that involves a lot of deep, heavy, fast breathing, and sometimes it's a lot of slow breathing. And then like with the children, they do more with little models where they help model for them. It's so so loving. They help them see their feelings and they demystify them. It's so funny. Sounds really moving. It is very moving. It's so simple that it would be easy to dismiss it. But for me, I saw myself in Will. It helped me to see that these long-standing problems, if anybody listening to this has had just struggled a long time with, say, a negative self-image or some other recurrent, seemingly unshakable demon, it may not be as intractable as it seems to be. I think that's the core message mm-hmm. I took from this. And that there are simple things we can do that have been scientifically tested that actually change the way those connections or misconnections yeah. happen. Well, you're Healing Healing can happen. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. it's the brain's not it's, it's not a hard drive that you can't yeah. go back and reprogram to some degree. Yeah. Anyway, I had so much compassion for little Will. I feel like writing him a letter. Oh. Yeah. It's called Free the Mind. Free the Mind. And yeah. It's on Netflix. And it's on Amazon. Amazon. Okay. Documentaries. Free with your Amazon Prime membership. Boy, <laughs> I hope they pay me now. <laughs> they should. Shall we go on to the coronavirus? Corona. Here's what I know about the coronavirus. It started in Wuhan City. That has a large tourist population. Hmm. So it's visited by a lot of people, which we learned because so many people were examined once they came back. Right. Quarantined. Quarantined. And thousands have become sick. About 300, as of us recording this, have died. My question is, is this the pandemic that we have been waiting for, or is this something of a manufactured story? Is it a flu-type virus? Are those the symptoms people experience? Yes, they they have aches, they have coughs, they have runny nose, wheezing, dizziness, nausea, the whole panoply of symptoms. The way that they think it got to humans was from a bat, and the Mm -hmm. bat probably defecated on some kind of other animal that was then eaten by a human. Oh, okay. And it's passed by... They know that it's carried by bats? They think they know. And it's carried by human-to-human contact. It's not like measles, because measles, someone can sneeze, Mm -hmm. and hours afterwards, people can pick up the virus. Right. This is done by human-to-human contact. Well, what kind of human-to-human contact? Just touch of any kind. Touch, yes, which is why it's most important to wash your hands. Oh, okay. So if you're in a room and someone sneezes, you're not going to necessarily get it if they don't make skin-to-skin contact? You know, I don't know, actually. Human-to-human contact does sound like skin-to-skin contact, but it does seem odd to me that if someone sneezed and you got it, well, I guess if someone sneezed and you got it on your skin, then you have it. That's a form of human contact. Yeah, but it doesn't linger the same way that the measles virus lingers and can live on and infect people. 
people after the patient zero has left the room. Uh-huh. Measles is highly, highly contagious. Right. Which is why I'm wondering if this story, which I would say was a good, oh, eighth of the paper today in the Sunday New York Times. Right. Various articles about it, how people are struggling with it in Wuhan. And basically the city has been shut down. People can't fly in and out. The cover story today was how the Chinese government just sort of dallied around with this and didn't take it as seriously as, what was that one? Was it SARS, the one that was caused by the civet cat? It was somehow, the civet cat was the... Yeah, I remember SARS, but I don't, I didn't know about the tie to the animal. In China, they have a a saying that they will eat anything with four legs except a table. In this open-air market where they thought that this contagion had happened, there were badgers, there were raccoons. Right. They had just every imaginable kind of animal. Yeah. And they will literally cook and eat anything. So that's my big question is whether this is manufactured to sell papers or whether it is the truly deadly virus that it's being cracked up to be. Right. So what I'm picking up is that it's affecting a large part of Chinese population. I don't know if that's true or not. It doesn't seem, I mean... Or it has the potential to? Potential to, maybe. It seemed to rise in numbers of people who were infected every Mm -hmm. day. The interest in it seems driven in part by the ongoing story of the Chinese economy and its interaction with our economy and the largeness of the Chinese economy and how if something did happen that shut down trade, and already that's happening with air travel and probably other tourist-related industries, that it could send like a spiral effect economically around the world. And I, I guess on Friday, there was a big drop in the stock market oh, was that it? they said was related to the concerns of, about it. Yeah. So maybe that's why the media is, is a little more obsessed with it than they might be had it broken out in a different country. Yeah. I just grow concerned when... Did you see the movie Contagion? Oh, yeah. Was that Dustin Hoffman in it? No, that's another one. It was one he did one. about a virus. Yes. The, the one that's really scary is called Contagion. Okay. And it stars Gwyneth Paltrow and Matt Damon. Okay. It's about a woman who I think is in China. She's patient zero. And oh. then it's one of those things where it spreads like right. wildfire right. and the whole world is affected. Oh, boy. This doesn't seem to be that. Mm. Nobody can leave China. Right. There was a whole group of people who were flown out of China. Like, I think there were 200 people mm-hmm. who were flown out and flown to a base. Right. And there they remain to right. be studied to see right. if they actually develop the symptoms. Right. But you really, you can't go in and you can't come out of China right now. Well, that might be why it's such a big story. That's a big deal, especially if there's, I guess, a lot of trade, a lot of products that flow back and forth. Yeah, I see that, your point. Yeah. So maybe that's the economic effect. I did read today that the first death happened in the Philippines. First death outside of outside China. Outside of China? Yeah. Okay. But I haven't read enough to know how, how widespread it is or how, you know, in China, how many people do they estimate have it? I think it's in the mid-thousands of people who have it. Okay. And as of my last reading, which is probably A now by dated. now low, yeah. it was about 300 people. Deaths. So it looked like it was about, in fact, there, but I that's, don't have that'd be one in 10 people dying. That could be a big deal. If 3,000 have it and 300 that's die. True. That's true. That would be quite deadly. I wonder what the Ebola virus was. You know, when Ebola hits, the thing that's so deadly about it is you can't touch the corpse without getting it. You wow. And people who lived in villages had very elaborate ceremonies that mm-hmm. they went through washing the body and touching the body. Mm-hmm. And 
they were right. told that they couldn't do that. Oh, and it right. was very emotionally hard on the families. Right, right. And they had a hard time obeying the new laws. Right. It was a horrible, horrible thing to deal mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. So that one seemed much more deadly in the way that it landed and, and how active it was even after the person was dead. Right. I guess more will be revealed yeah. about this. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I hope that you're right that it's a overreaction. Better to and... be over than under. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I've always said. <laughs> anyway, boomers, on that happy note, we're going to leave you now. Thank you for finding us, and we will talk to you again in a week. Bye, boomers. Stay healthy. Yes. Hydrate. Bye-bye.